Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fan-Sided Podcast Network. My name is Robert Morrison. I am a contributor at NinerNoise.com, and here with me to celebrate, you know, another another victory is a uh, fellow contributor at uh, NinerNoise.com, Chris Wilson. Chris, how are you doing, sir? They said we needed NFL-caliber football players. Please. Eh, secondary. They thought we needed an NFL-caliber football field. No way. Who needs that? That's definitely against the rules. You have any idea who we are? <laughs> the San Francisco 49ers. We're feeling great, baby. And our practice squad is coming back to town to blow you out. After a 36-9 and finish, we have two games, two big ones, and we won't have to come back to play in New Jersey again this year. And hopefully not for a long time. Let's hope not. Yeah, let's hope we don't have to see any more Giants or Jets in New Jersey anymore for a really long time. Well, we get seven full seasons before we need to face the Jets again in New Jersey. Hopefully they'll fix their field by then. And we just have to hope that we don't end in the same place in the division as the Giants do. Yeah, that's fine. And and, and even if they do, we can just they can just come across the, to the West Coast because this, this is ridiculous. Oh, and let's not forget that I just barely missed the over-under in this game. So total pat on the back to me. And you're welcome, betters, for that free advice. Whatever, whatever, whatever. We'll get into that later. Uh, (laughs) So, yes. You're welcome. The the 49ers did uh, overcome the injuries sustained uh, during last week's trip to MetLife Stadium. Uh, And despite all concerns about anxiety and and playing on the stadium in the on that turf again uh they you know took out all their anxieties and frustrations on the uh, hapless new york giants and as you noted won the game 36 to 9 did you know this i learned this uh this week uh first time that that score has ever been achieved in an nfl game i did see that on twitter it was posted by someone random that i didn't know and that random twitter user good call on your part 
And I think it only costs Kyle Nelson's job. Yep. Great job. Great job. Well, we'll, we'll get to him. I wonder what he's doing right now. <laughs> Probably the bar. Yeah, that's a bummer. So, yeah, Nick Mullins, backup quarterback extraordinaire. Um, you know, it wasn't the greatest uh, beginning to the game. The first, you know, quarter and plus was a little bit shaky. He was definitely... Uh, trying to, to to get into the game and and try to figure out exactly what it was that he was uh, that he was doing <laughs> at certain points. <laughs> it definitely looked like you're the quarterback, Nick. You're the quarterback. Throw the ball into the end zone. Yeah, it was definitely a situation where it looked like he hadn't played, you know, in in a while. Uh, but you know, he got he got into it, uh, into the game, grew into the game, as we like to say. Uh, and ended up leading the team to a a pretty massive blowout victory, uh, which you know neither of us saw saw coming in spite of of what actually happened. So, uh, great game for Mullins, twenty five or thirty six, three hundred forty three yards, uh, just the one touchdown, which is very interesting considering all the points that were scored. Uh, didn't throw any interceptions, uh, QBR of seventy nine point nine, and a quarterback rating of one hundred eight point nine. Which, as I understand it, is uh, you know pretty good. It's not uh, not a world beater, but uh, you know. When you're in the in the hundreds, you're usually in pretty good shape. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure that'd be top ten in the league. So I don't know what PFF will <laughs> get him, but I would say that's pretty yeah, good. We'll get him. Yeah, we'll get into that later as well. Um, he did. He connected uh, with ten different receivers, which is, I think, you know, given the state of of the injury, is is a pretty impressive uh, statistic. They had ten receivers. Yeah. Uh, well, like two or three of them were running backs. So you know that. Four, yeah, sorry, yeah, but I mean, four like of them are ten players. Yeah, ten players that throw, yeah, the, ball to? Players that throw like, the ball to. Eligible yeah, receiver, full on. Um, and and this also is cool. So ten different receivers, seven of them uh, were over twenty yards receiving. It, it's a relatively small, uh, you know, barrier. But you know, when you're spreading the ball around, and and it's not just like you threw the ball to ten different receivers, but two of them caught the ball one time for you know five yards. That's yeah, I think that's a pretty impressive. Uh, statistic to, to kind of toss out there. Um, and you know, on a day where the giants held the running game in check, uh, for the 49ers, they ran the ball 35 times for 93 yards, which is, uh, just, you know, it's not great. That's 2.7 yards per carry, which is not really what you want. Uh, they did score all, uh, score three of their four touchdowns on, um, running games. So there you go. But, uh, you know, the passing game took advantage of, of a defense that, that just couldn't, figure out a way to get stops time and time again. And, you know, the defense showed up in a way that I don't think anybody would have expected given what happened last week, uh, which is, I think, a really important thing. I mean, yes, it's the Giants, and yes, they were shorthanded as well. And, you know, yes, Daniel Jones is probably not very good at his job, um, among other things. And so you have to take that with a grain of salt to a certain extent. But at the same time, you know, you can only play the team that is in front of you. Um, as as they say, and you know they took care of of business in that regard. Yeah, don't hate on us for beating up on the team we played. Exactly. <laughs> we didn't make the schedule. Yeah, no, we did not. And in fact, if we had, we definitely would have left uh, <laughs> trips to MetLife Stadium off the schedule completely. We'd just been like, we're just gonna actually just take victories this week and not play games because it's really unnecessary. We're just we have to fly all the way out to the East Coast, <laughs> you know, and you know stay at stay in West Virginia, which is very rarely recommended and, you know, things like this. Um, <laughs> you mean like in general or maybe, I don't know. Um, <laughs> you might be upsetting our West Virginia contingent. 
I don't know. I'm sure there's, I'm sure it's fine. I'd like they're used to it. Um, so a couple of notes <laughs> from uh, Kyle Shanahan, both after the game and since, uh, because you know, what's a 49ers game this year without some injury news. It's nicer this time, but that's all We're just saying something. that's all relative. Um, so Jordan Reed left the game uh, with what initially appeared to be an ankle injury, but turned into an ankle and a knee injury on a touchdown catch that he just just barely missed getting his second foot down. Um, and then the turf monster strikes again. And, and now he's going on to IR. I'm sure that late hit later in the game didn't help. Either. Uh, it's an ankle injury plus, I think, an MCL sprain. Uh, which is we're talking, you know, at the very least, it's a, it's three weeks because he's on the IR. But uh, I think Shanahan mentioned something closer to like six to eight weeks, <sighs> which is which is really disappointing because he'd been playing really well over the last. Uh, he was, you know, he was doing well in the first in the first half, the first quarter of of Sunday's game, and he had a, a great game as we talked about last week against the Jets, and you know the 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 visions of Jordan Reed and. George Kittle on the field together. Uh, we'll have to wait for you know at least another month and a half to maybe two months. Hey, he didn't hit his head, right? Uh, but you know, hopefully he'll be he'll be uh, ready to go for the for that playoff push at the end of the season. So yeah, there you go. You know, eventually, everybody will come back, right? I guess I don't know. Um, Jarek McKinnon uh, left the game. Uh, I think late. I don't even remember when it happened. I just remember that he wasn't on the field anymore, and and Michael Hasty was in there, uh, which led me to assume one of two things one that Shanahan just wanted to get the kids some touches which was very nice um but also that you know McKinnon was done we were seeing a lot more Jeff Wilson so I don't really remember what happened in that situation he is day-to-day I believe he practiced normally today uh today being Wednesday uh so he seems like he's going to be ready to go for for Sunday um Manuel Mosley in the concussion protocol that was a weird play he ran into his own player when they were trying to tackle the you know elusive uh quarterback that is daniel jones um it's more like he got crushed right who was that tart yeah they they smacked into each other um and uh, yeah it was tart uh and it was weird because i initially when it happened i was like oh no they ran into each other somebody's gonna get hurt and then they both stood up and i was like okay they're fine and then mosley immediately went right back to the grounds (laughs) and i was like oh well, I when he got hit, I was like, oh, this is not good. <laughs> good night. Yeah, it looked bad, and then he seemed to be okay, and then immediately was not. Um, so I think he was, I don't know if he's cleared concussion protocol, but, you know, barring any major issues, I think he should be probably. He didn't uh, practice today, so not yet. But, you know, I think barring any major issues, I think he should be okay. Uh, Martin Zocha, backup linebacker and special teams uh, extraordinary ace. That's right. Sorry. Um, quad issue. He's heading to IR. Gracious. I mean, I, I part of me is like, we're, I guess we're just, we're used to IR being like a death blow, right? And so it's hard to think about the injured reserve as like not a death blow as it is this year where, you know, it's three weeks, which is a long time, but it's not like your season's over kind of thing, which is how it usually is. Um, so I think. If you have a choice, how would you do it? I just feel like the way they do it now. I, I do too, because it, it allows you to get a little more creative with your roster um, and be able to move players around and not have to release people. Maybe it doesn't need to be fully like this all the time. Maybe there's a certain, like a maximum number of players you can put on a short-term IR or something like that. But I, I would I would be in favor of keeping yeah. 
some version of this where there might be, okay, well, you can have four four guys on the short-term IR and everybody after that has to be on a longer term or you have to keep them on the active roster and something like that. I think it could be useful, a useful way to, um, you know, because there was, <laughs> I was, I was pretty concerned that we were not going to, that all of our, all of our inactives on Sunday were going to be, <laughs> were going to be injured players and they almost all were. Um, and that's not really what you want. Um, and so that's something to, to, yeah, I think it'd be cool to keep it that way. Uh, Quan Williams apparently day to day with some hip discomfort. I didn't see what his practice situation was today. I think he was, he was a no go as well. I believe he didn't practice. Okay. So that's not ideal. We'll talk more about that again later. D Ford, uh, looking very likely. I don't think they've officially put him on IR as of as of now, but he's. Uh, I think Shanahan said today that he's heading that direction. Um, as we talked about before, I think this is a, kind of a potentially dangerous situation for him. So um, you know, putting him in a position where he doesn't feel like he's going to have to rush, try to rush back, I think is most ideal. Obviously, from a football perspective, it's not what you want, but from a like he's a person and we don't want him to be hurt kind of thing. I think that's, that's really what we're looking at. Um, and then Garoppolo, Kittle, Mostert, Witherspoon, those guys are all, um, we're all noted as day to day. Um, earlier this week, uh, Kittle did practice. Uh, Garoppolo did not. Witherspoon did, uh, I believe Mostert was doing rehab type things. And so he's not really practicing, but he is actively out there. And then uh, the last injury news, as in players that are injured currently, is um, Dre Greenlaw week to week, uh, likely out for Sunday. So a lot of fun times right there. Somehow it doesn't seem that bad <laughs> compared to last Gosh. week. Like that's it. I know. I mean, these are relatively lower stakes injuries for for sure, um, but still not great. Um, there's more, of course. Uh, we mentioned Ky- we mentioned Kyle Nelson, uh, long snapper. Uh, who forgot how to long snap. I I have no idea what happened. Like it was so bizarre because every time like I kept looking down, we'd score a touchdown and I'd look down and be like, all right, extra point, no big deal. And then something, and then I'd look up like half a second later and, you know, Mitch Wisnowski is running off to the left with his head being snapped off by a defensive lineman because he's got a hold of his face mask. And I'm just like, what is going on? Um, Yeah, not not good things. He, he had a bad snap earlier, early in the, in the, in the game that caused, uh, Robbie Gould to have to, to rush a kick and he missed it. It was a long field goal, but I think, you know, given a good snap, he would have been able to probably get it down. Um, it didn't end up battering all that much, but, and then he missed, uh, one extra point that officially counted another that didn't because of the aforementioned face max penalty, which is just the most giants thing to happen. <laughs> on the planet bad snap on the extra point and then you get a penalty and then, and then we get to kick the ball which is just hilarious um so they have released or uh waived kyle nelson whichever way you want to think about it uh and they signed some guy named tabor pepper which is fantastic name like you don't know him Come don't on. know if don't know if he's any good at long snapping but that's what he's gonna do um and then to take over uh Jordan Reed's spot on the roster. They signed uh, somebody who had been on the team previously, but was on the Buccaneers practice squad, uh, Daniel Helm, who is a sort of H-back, fullback, tight end kind of combination guy. He's not Jordan Reed by any stretch of the imagination. but you know, block? I, maybe. Yeah, I think, maybe. Yeah. Um, 
So there we go. Um, I do have some good news, though, regarding the pra- the, uh, the, the injury situation. I know this is strange. Uh, Debo Samuel back to practice this week. Uh, he was uh, pretty much, you know, full uh, full go as far as I understand it uh, on Wednesday during practice. Uh, I think Shanahan's words were the injury is fine. Um, it's just kind of getting him back up to fitness levels. Uh, to play the report before this week, before even the the Giants game, was that they were going to kind of slow roll him back. I'd be pretty surprised if he's active on Sunday. Um, he is back on the roster. Uh, he's off the IR, so that's a good first step, which means he can be practicing now. And even if he's active, I mean, he'll play a handful of snaps just to kind of get him back into it. But I'd be really surprised. Yeah, I'd be shocked. And he wasn't even on the injury report, and. Not in like the good way where it's a full practice. Like he wasn't even on it. Yeah. So that's, I, don't, that's I, don't good. Think I don't think they're planning on bringing it back this week. Yeah. Um, Nor would I. No, I think it's. I think it's we, not. We already have him playing with an eleven jersey, so we're good to go. Yeah, I think so for sure. Um, and then my, the last thing uh, about this uh, kind of lead-in part, and before we get into more detail about the Giants game, uh, fun fact: this was the first time. The 49ers did not punt in a game since December of 1993 when they played the Lions, a game they won 55 to 17. So that's that's very cool. So all Mitch had to do was try to attempt to deal with the terrible long snapping <laughs> and kickoffs, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, I guess he still had a lot of work to do, even though he didn't punt anything. <laughs> he, he was very busy for a punter who did not punt. Yeah, well, good thing I was wearing his jersey to support him. So <laughs> that's for sure. I gave myself all the credit. Great job. Great job. Nice. Well done. Cool. Cool. All right. Let's move on into our uh, one up and one down section for the Giants game. Um, so, Chris, we'll start with you. Give me your up for the Giants victory. I said before the game that this is why we pay our coaches the big bucks and we needed to outcoach our opponents. And we did. So, for Sunday's game, Shanahan summoned the good Shanny from deep inside him and game planned a bunch of practice squad players into beating an inferior team. So he had a little bit of a shaky start, some questionable decisions, as he usually does. But when the rubber hit the road late in the game, Shanahan well, he didn't personally perform. Well, actually, he did personally perform. He made a little bit. Yeah. Called all the right plays and he made all the right calls and he put his players in a position to execute appropriately. And that Mullins kid, not half bad. Nope, you know, not at all. Could make for an interesting trade piece, just saying. <laughs> so, yeah, my one-up is Kuchini. And throughout the game, we really saw everything we love, and by we, I mean me, or I, if I can speak English, love and don't love so much about Shannon in this game. But there's definitely a lot more good than there was bad. As for the good, and it is one up, one down, I believe, right? Yeah. Well, I'm going to start with a little bit of down, but transition into a whole lot up. You know how this works, right? Come well, on. how it's supposed to work. <laughs> I did a fair amount of research prior to this podcast after the game, just looking at the first three weeks. The, I mean, usually I try to do it after the first four weeks, but since it's been so crazy with all the injuries, I just wanted to see if he changed his game plan from week to week, given the fact that he had different assets, if you want to call them that, <laughs> and a lack of assets in each game. So 
from a success rate. The 49ers are the third worst team in the NFL on first downs. Mm-hmm. And that's because Shanahan insists on running the ball. And they did a lot in the first two games. So the 49ers are in the middle of the pack on second down. And that's because they're sixth in the league when Shanahan lets his quarterback pass the ball, which before this game was rare. So he's constantly putting the 49ers in, like I would say, he's expecting Jimmy to bail his team out on third and long by putting his team into bad situations on third downs by running on second and 10. It just drives me crazy. Stop doing it, please. Please, Shani. I love you, buddy. Please stop doing it. Overall, the 49ers are the second worst rushing team by success rate. So of all the teams in the NFL, even though they have a lot of rushing yardage because success rate is basically were you successful in that play or not, not whether you ran 21 miles an hour into the end zone. Counts the same as if you Jeff Wilson at five yards on you know, third and five, even though the corners don't run on third down. The fact that they're so very unsuccessful on pretty much all downs <laughs> running the ball, it's troubling to me because that's not the way that Shanahan's offense usually runs. And Shanahan's usually a coach who coaches well on first downs and he just doesn't anymore. And I think that's because he hasn't modified his game plan according to his lack of blocking because the Niners just can't block, especially in the run game, but also in the pass game. Fortunately, the Niners are the 13th best passing team in the NFL. So when he allows Jimmy or Mullins to pass the ball, they are efficient, effective, and successful. 13th in the league, so it's pretty good. Overall, it looks like we have a half-decent passing offense, even though we have no passing targets. So I think being 13th, given what we have out there, is pretty good. And I think it's pretty good for Shani, and I think it's pretty good for our quarterbacks. Actually, I think it's really good for our running backs. Our running backs really impressed me, the way they caught the ball. They've looked like wideouts out there, and sometimes even better than wideouts. Yeah. The Niners are the eighth most successful team on third downs despite being in horrible situations on most third downs. And the reason why, and I couldn't believe this. I had to look it up like three or four times and multiple sources. So I'm pretty sure it's legit. The San Francisco 49ers have run the ball four times on third down the entire season. Really? Four times. And one of those was third and 31 that they actually converted, right? (laughs) Well, it's even worse than that. Two of the runs... We're on third and long give-up plays, even though they didn't end up being give-up plays. And the other two, one quarterback sneak and one actual rush by a running back. Three games and only one time has a 49er running back run the ball on third down in an honest attempt to gain a first down. That's how bad the play calling has been on early downs. I realize that none of that sounds good. <laughs> what? You know, I thought this was the good side. Yeah. You know, what are you doing here? You're confusing. The fact that bad is the norm is what makes it so good. Because it got to a point where Shanahan realized that what he was doing wasn't working, and Shanahan made change, and the change was positive. And then the Niners started crushing the team that they were playing, whereas before it was getting scary, at least for me. Yeah, it was a little unsettling at, at the beginning there. At halftime. This is a 10-point game. Yeah. And the first score was by the Giants in the second half. So we're talking a one-score game. Yep. Halfway through the third quarter. Yep. It was, yeah, it was 16 to 9. 
Well, something happened in Shanahan's head. And Shanahan became the Shanahan that we love. <laughs> Not the Shanahan that I still love, but I'm disappointed in. A little less. Oh, no, I love him a lot. But the disappointment is great. Okay. You just disappointed. So at that point. Yeah, I got you. He started allowing Mullins to pass the ball on second down, especially on second down because they were still horrible on first down. But he allowed Mullins to pass the ball a lot on second down, like almost all the time. And it was really, really successful. Shocker. So at that point, we have a one-score game when we should be blowing this other team out. The stats were unbelievable. And it was, what, 16 to 9? Yep. And I think it was less than a quarter and a half to go. And this is when I got scared. Like I was like, no, please, no. We cannot lose this game the way that we've outplayed them with our practice squad. Well, Shanahan became the Shanahan that we love. And it was a second-down pass fest. <laughs> So the 49ers had the ball three more times and then the fourth time when the victory formation did. And by the way, like, where is our backflipper? Trent Taylor did it. He did? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't see it. Yep. How was it? It was pretty good. You know, it was, it was not quite Richie James. He's on the IR. I mean, over. come on. Nobody is. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we do our new backflipper. Yep. I have to look back at the tape. I will go ahead and rate his backflip. Yeah. Let us know. Let us know. Hard-hitting analysis. Anyway. The point is, they had three drives, and after kicking what, three field goals and missing a fourth field goal by messing up on early downs and putting themselves into bad situations and kicking field goals when they shouldn't, you know, all the same stuff that I don't like about Shaney and his play calling. He instead decided that he wanted to score touchdowns on every drive, and that's what he did. <laughs> so he scored three straight touchdowns, and it turned a one-score game into a blowout. And here's how he did it. On the first drive, second downs, pass, reverse to Ike for a touchdown. Second time, pass, and then a touchdown pass to McKinnon. Third time, he gets back into evil Shandy mode. <laughs> second and long, he... Runs the ball and gets stuffed, of course. Mm. But then he's bailed out by his quarterback. And it's not Jimmy this time. So thank you, Mullins. On third down. Then he reverts to his passing ways. Pass. Pass. And then actually a successful run with Hasty. Pass. And then Wilson punches it in for the score. Yep. So we have three drives and one bad play. One bad run on second down. And turned into 21 points and in some ways it is that simple 20 points actually to be to be actual yeah it's true (laughs) why they didn't go for two there i also don't know but whatever i just probably because they didn't need to it's like anything we can do to make nelson feel worse because they wanted scoragami man they wanted scoragami i guess we know what numbers shanahan had in the square for his office pool (laughs) so my loan up for the week is good shanny in that he recognized that running the ball was not working, and that was pretty obvious. Yeah. I think our leading rusher was McKinnon. Uh, not by much. Uh, I'd have to look. I mean, who else would it be? Ayuk? I think it might have been Ayuk, actually. Because <laughs> McKinnon ran the ball for as many yards per carry as the team did. So it's 2.7. That should be enough. Uh, it was McKinnon by seven yards. Seven yards. Uh, it was he had 38 and Ayuk had 31, so not what you want. That 2.7 yards to carry overall includes Ayuk's three runs, and 
one question I do have. Yes. But otherwise I'm done. So this does not count. Mm-hmm. Is All right. did you uh take a look at the PFF rushing grades this week? Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Explain to me how <laughs> Nick Mullins led the team in rushing <laughs> when all he did was a sneak. I don't know. Apparently he got a first down. All he had all day was one quarterback sneak and oh, was it a sneak? Victory formation. And then kneeled it three times. That's it. Well, he got three yards on that sneak, so it was really efficient. I'm not knocking the sneak. It was excellent sneak. First down and everything. And then McKinnon, I believe, was second at his two point seven yards of carry. Yeah, fourteen for thirty eight. Yeah. How under is that better than Ayuk's three for thirty one and a first down and a score? I don't know. I don't I don't know. I want to know what the magic formula is because I want to turn it upside down. I don't know. This is not my job. Yeah, but you're the only one who will listen because you're stuck here. I don't know. There is no magic formula. There is none. It doesn't exist. The limit does not exist. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, let me kind of piggyback on what you're saying there uh, because my up was I, I wanted to, to to sort of emulate you a little bit and sort of steal your, your thing, but you cheat. You and... did it <laughs> before I got a chance to. And mine was going to be the passing offense, you know, in a general sense. You know, I wanted to highlight all the players that were involved in the passing offense, which were a lot of players. The funny part is, is that, as I recall, the Giants came into the game as a better defense against the pass than they were against the run. Um, or did I have that backwards? I don't remember. What was the joke I made last week? They haven't faced Mullins yet, so maybe it was the other way around. <laughs> Either way, they're not that great. Yeah, yeah. They didn't have much success uh, stopping the pass at all on Sunday. And as I noted, 10 receivers caught passes. Every one of those receivers that caught more than one pass averaged 10 or more yards per reception. And that's, you know, that's a good line of, of delineation. You know, if you're averaging a first down at least per catch, that's usually a good place to be, right? Every um, position group, yeah. It means that you're either getting open down the field or you're getting open in space where you can do things with the ball in their hands. And, you know, that's by and large how this works. You know, people throw fits about the fact that, oh, you know, you know, don't push the ball down the field. Because they don't know what they're talking about. And all those sorts of things. But that's not really the point here. The point is... Neither do Breeze or Brady. Uh, to rack up, uh, as I'm looking at it right now, PFF has them listed for 146 of the 343 uh, passing yards were after the catch. It's nearly six yards per reception after the catch. I like those numbers. Yeah, for those who are confused, your main objective as a quarterback is to put the ball in the end zone, and your short-term objective is to move the ball at least 10 yards every three plays if you're in San Francisco. And if you're doing that through the air, it doesn't matter if the ball travels 10 yards through the air or if the ball travels zero yards through the air. There's no correlation between your average depth of target, a dot, and whether you're a good quarterback or not. Plus, this is the way that Shanahan and Lynch have designed the team. They want to run after the catch. And there's a reason why one of their current players, a tight end, holds the NFL record for average yak yards over the course of the season. Despite that fact, this didn't really seem like one of those games where there was a lot of yards after the catch. I felt like there's a lot tighter coverage and a lot of pass interference. <laughs> there was that one porn play, that nice catch and run that he had. He got angry. I don't think I've ever seen him angry before, but... Dude, that guy's helmet just like planted in the ground, <laughs> doing his best Kittle impression there. I like that. Probably because he dropped that ball. 
It was actually Jeff Wilson who led the team in, in yak, 44 yards. Oh, yeah, that's right. He was just a machine out of the backfield. Yeah, all over the place. Oh, yeah, and out of the slot, running his like modified Texas route. I love it, baby. <laughs> yeah, brother. It was awesome. Um, the cool thing is as we get further along in the season, we're starting to see uh, DVOA numbers that are starting to you know build up. That's kind of the cool thing about the way that the, that Football Outsiders uh, metrics work is that the further along in the season, the more sort of accurate, I guess, their numbers become um, in terms of adjusted value against based on the defense uh, from the offensive side. Um, so the, the Niners took a pretty hefty jump in their passing DVOA from week two to week three. Uh, they're currently sitting at 41.6% uh, DVOA uh, through three weeks, which is seventh in the league. That's just for the passing DVOA, I should mention. Uh, they are 11.8% overall, which is uh, eighth in the league. Uh, they moved up from 20th in overall offensive DVOA <laughs> in one week. So, you know, that's good. It's mostly through the passing game, as I'll get into in here in just a minute. Did want to point out uh, the key offensive PFF grades for the Niners. Uh, Mullins was an 81, McKinnon 74.7, uh, Trent Williams 74.2, Ross Dwelly, who had a, a really nice game, uh, filling in for first <laughs> George, George Kittle and then Jordan Reed at the same time, uh, 72.8, Jeff Wilson 70.7. Brandon Ayuk, uh, 69.5, and a Bourne, 68.4. Um, and McKinnon and Wilson both had elite grades in the passing game, so that's those are, are good numbers to point out. Again, you know, as we often like to mention, PFF grades not telling the whole story, and sometimes they can be confusing, uh, but I think in these cases, uh, those numbers match up pretty nicely with what you were looking at during the game on Sunday. And then, uh, you know, one last thing to shout out for... Our uh, Brandon Ayuk, our uh, rookie wide receiver, had his first major impactful game just his second week of action after he missed the opener. Five catches, 70 yards, and then the aforementioned three carries for 31 yards on the ground and his first NFL touchdown where he was touched by literally no one as he ran to the goal line, which was pretty awesome. Um, so, you know, again, this is the Giants, and I think you have to take that with a certain grain of salt, but at the same time, you know, if this is what they can do against a bad team, even with their sort of with a with their second level of players, it's I think it's going to be exciting once they start to get pieces back. Hopefully this week, um, and I think it's going to be you know tough to stop and and fun to watch for us. So that's is my up number one is you got to beat the bad teams. That's that, exactly you can't lose to them like we allowed Atlanta to beat us last year. Exactly, take it to them no matter what. Yeah. All right, Chris. Chris, would you like to expand upon you made note of your down? Would you like to take a few moments to unpack that a little more? Sure would. And actually, some of my downs are a little bit up. So how about that? It's all confusing. Getting crazy over here on the pod. <laughs> As always. So my down is also Shanny Ann. It's evil Shanny. And a little bit of evil solid too, because he was really, really good, except when the quarterback was running the ball. It's infuriating. Maybe he thought that the quarterback wasn't allowed to do that. I don't know. But I think your boy Danny Dimes had like 50 yards on the ground and then another 16-yard called back. Yeah. And no one else could do anything. Yeah, they couldn't do anything. And yet... What is up with that? I mean, he's got to learn how to defend against running quarterbacks. Yeah. Because that's going to be a problem. I mean, sorry, it is a problem. It was a problem last year. It's a problem this year. And 
He's not even yeah. a good running quarterback. It was uh, 49 yards, yeah, on four, on four carries. Yeah, I believe it was a 16-yarder that got called back via penalty. By the way, the Giants as a whole ran for 66 yards. So, yeah, not great. Can't let some random... I mean, I guess he's mobile-ish, but geez, you know? Sneaky athletic, I think they refer to that as. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so we got a little bit of Evil Solid, overall Solid did a great job. And yeah. he didn't really need to make too many changes in the second half, and he was consistent, and well, they turned the ball over three times, so that was very nice. Mm-hmm. And put the Niners in some nice field position to go down there and score some touchdowns and kick some short field goals, because we like that too. So, otherwise, it is the evil Shanny. And evil <laughs> Shanny was back a little bit, but he was, you know, sort of just back and forth between excellent, lovable Shanny and not so lovable Shanny. <laughs> so, as for the bad, some of it's not so bad. Maybe even like a little good. Up is, up is down and left is right. I don't know. Don't worry. There's plenty of bad. One thing that's not good is his end of the half clock management skills. I do not know what is wrong with him. He's driving me crazy, man. And as you recall, the Niners were the beneficiaries of a very fine pass that was thrown right to one of our linebackers because <laughs> he was open, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Very nice play there by Warner. Right to Fred Warner. Probably his most accurate pass of the day. Yeah, I was going to say it was a, it was an excellent like bait job on Warner's part for sure, too. I don't know what he was looking at, but I don't know. I mean, and it's also a nice catch by Warner. Right between the numbers, right between the five and the four. It's the wrong team. <laughs> Bam. There you go, baby. So the Niners got the ball with 59 seconds left, one timeout on the opposing 32 yard line. How do you manage to run out of time? Yeah. The only time you should be kicking is on fourth down, and you probably shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> 59 seconds. And then to add on to that, the first play was that throw to McKinnon that took the ball down to the six-yard line. So he was down with 53 seconds to go in the half. The Niners have a timeout. Instead of calling it, which, you know, you want to call it, you don't want to call it, or whatever. It depends on what you have planned from the six. But, you know, he only opened timeout. They didn't get the ball off until 26 seconds remaining on the clock. So they wasted half of the rest of the time getting down the field. That's not good. What's even worse is they ran the ball on that play. Like, what on earth are they thinking? And you know, in our chat, you know, some of you were saying in, on the following play, when he threw it to McKinnon, McKinnon decided not to go out of bounds. And you're like, well, normally, yeah, like, dude, what are you doing? You got to get out of bounds. But at the same time, did Shanahan want him to get a bounce? Because why would he run the ball on the play before? Because he was expecting a call, a timeout, and there's a penalty in there. So they were 10 yards further back. So it's probably McKinnon's fault, but I don't know what Shanahan was thinking in the first place. So when it's difficult to know what the coach is telling his players to do, then it's sort of difficult to blame it all on McKinnon. So I'm not sure if it was his fault or not. It probably was, but when... Shanahan is doing things that don't make any sense. And for the record, McKinnon seemed to indicate after the play that he knew that he should have gotten out of bounds. Like there was some indication that he was that he looked over at the bench and was like, "Yeah, my bad. Like I should have, you know." Okay, well that's good. At least he realizes when he makes a mistake. I think that Shanahan probably should have motioned over to the huddle and be like, "My bad for calling <laughs> a running play on first down there." After the stopped to McKinnon, what was a nine-second play, I believe, and then they call the timeout. 
actually, they call a timeout like two seconds later, but they put two more seconds back on the clock. So it is now second down, and we have nine seconds left. So pretty good play call. Shanahan calls a really, really quick pass, a slant to Ayuk, where there's obvious intentional pass interference, which is really smart by the defender because he knows that the opposing team doesn't have any timeouts. So if the ball's on the one-inch line, you'd love it for them to try to go forward as opposed to having another play. So it's it's actually a smart move on his part, but of course it wasn't called. <laughs> so it's kind of the point where other teams are attempting to draw flags and they can't get them thrown at them. So after a quick three-second play, it's down to six seconds. So what do the Niners do? They kick a field goal. It's like it's third down, bro. What's the problem? We can't call it the exact same play again. We can't get a playoff in six seconds. And I know you can because by the time that you kick the field goal, there were still two or three seconds left on the clock because you had to kick off. So why they didn't go for it on third down there to bring up a fourth down or potentially score, it's just, it's the whole no gas, all breaks thing that I do not like. I think you have that backward. You have that backwards. No, no I got it the right way. <laughs> Shaney has it backwards. I know what it's supposed to be, but that's not the way that he coaches. And it's like, this is the time to end them. And he has a problem with ending teams, and that's not new, obviously. And I don't want to bring up bad feels for us or don't 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 you say it. Don't you don't you say it. Hey, we, we got a lot of Falcons fans who are listening to this podcast too, so they feel it just as badly as well. Actually, they feel a lot worse than we did. <laughs> so he's just gotta put his foot on the gas and on the proverbial next of the other team and just end them just finish it and he has a finishing problem just finish him man yeah. but then he, he finished him well at the end of the game so that's why I said some good some yeah, bad for sure and then my final evil shanty is also somewhat good as well because a lot of it's the opposite of, of the good is that in the first half his play column was just poor ended in two chip shots another field goal another field goal try then one touchdown, you should be blowing this team out and you're winning by 10 points at halftime. And then you're allowing them to score and it's like a one-score game. And I don't have a heart attack. <laughs> and I shouldn't be having a heart attack when you're just so much better than the other team with your practice squatters. So the good thing is that he was able to remove the evil Shaney persona and get back to <laughs> lovable Shaney and then allow his players to execute on the early downs. And then we got three touchdowns and then suddenly you take a one score game and now it's a blowout. And even with Nelson snapping, we're still able to put up 20 points at the end of the game. And from that point on, once that touchdown was scored by Ayuk, the chance pretty much gave up. And I think they would have given up in the second quarter if you would have just put that ball in the end zone. So just, just end them, end them because there's going to be a point where you're playing a good team that needs to be ended. And Niners, and actually this probably should be go back in the good, but <laughs> Shanahan has built a team, and Lynch has built a team, not just a group of players, but yeah. this is a team. Yeah, absolutely. And there are not a lot of teams in the NFL. There are a lot of players who are playing for themselves, and yeah, of course there's camaraderie, but it's, it's like something I haven't seen in a long time, and I mean, including last year too. And these guys really... Like play for each other and really, I mean, just the way that they went over to Nelson after he botched all, I don't know how many, three in a row or whatever. And 
I mean, yeah. these guys were like feeling for him. I mean, like you could tell it wasn't just trying to make him feel better. It's like they they're feeling bad that they're like losing their brother, you know. And Shanahan has developed. I don't know how he did it. I don't know what happens in that locker room. Maybe it's because he's a younger guy. Maybe because they can relate to him. I don't know what it is, but he's done such a good job. So take advantage of it because your team isn't going to give up. Other teams will. So end them when you have the opportunity to. So it wasn't really down. It yeah. was like sort of half and half, you know? Yeah, there you go. I mean, other than this clock management, it's horrible. Yeah. But. Well, yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't be, yeah. It wouldn't be a, a Niner Nose podcast if you didn't mention it. So It wouldn't so, be a Niner's game if you didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, down down for me, uh, I, I kind of alluded to this earlier, but it's just the running game. So really half the offense was was clicking. The other half was not, which is, again, bizarre because this was not something that we talked about very much last season. Like, I think there was maybe one or two games last year where the, the the running game didn't get going. One of them was like the Washington game where no offense got going because it was, you know, monsooning. Um, and it, actually, it wasn't even the monsooning as much as the field conditions. Right, right, so right. Bad. Yeah. So, so you know, none of the off, no offense got going on, you know, at all. And other than that, I can't really remember like a game where they just got. Um, and I think there were there were there were one or two other games where the the I think, game, I think maybe the Ravens game also same problem or yeah it's really really wet yeah and just happened to be the two games two of the games I went to <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's on. your fault um, yeah. but yeah other than that they they generally did a pretty good job of running the ball last year but so far this year uh, you know if you remove the 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 outlying carries which are basically the eighty yard rush by Mostert and you know other and that 51 yarder from from McKinnon on third down that we alluded to earlier if you take out a lot of that stuff it's 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 been a rough go of the running game so far this season and and this Sunday was not a not an improvement in that in that regard um the offensive line as you noted is struggling to 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 block in the run game for some reason and it, it you know and it's becoming predictable because the left side of the line is really the only side of the line that's getting any kind of major effective run blocking from, you know, play to play. And so it's getting to the point where, you know, teams are starting to sniff that out, I think. And that's not really what you want. Um, I'm a little concerned that Jarek McKinnon has a little bit of the Tevin Coleman um, thing in, in, in him in terms of like not being wildly decisive in his in, in the running game, like he's clearly a fantastic player with a ball in his hands. And as a receiver, he's, you know, top notch, but I'm not sure given the, the offensive line situation as it currently stands, that he has what it takes to be like a every down type of running back. He's just doesn't, he doesn't make the, he doesn't like the thing about like Raheem Mostert is he see, he sees the hole, he hits the hole and he's gone. Um, and I don't understand because McKinnon is at least as fast as Mostert is in that or in the general vicinity of, of the same speed. So I don't know why he takes forever to, to sort of make that decision, because if he would just hit the hole and just go, I think he'd probably be fine. But he just he doesn't seem to have that in him most of the time. And I, I just don't understand it. Um, I feel like he took a step back with the speed after the injury. It's possible. And, yeah. And, and, you know, like no one's fast as Mostert is. Come on, man. Right. But but at the same time you can, you can see year, I believe, right? yeah <laughs> but at the same time you can see a hesitation in his decision making oh yeah making. yeah I mean he looks like Le'Veon Bell back there yeah well and and, and, and you know like he's not rushing behind 
one of Le'Veon's old Steelers solvents lines. Right. <laughs> so it's not going to work. Right. But yeah, he's like hesitating, hesitating, like waiting for the hole to open. And that is not how you run Shanahan's offense. No, you run it. Go and you just think you see a hole and you hit it yep. really hard. And maybe it's a hole and maybe it's not. Yeah. And if you hit it and you're the second level, then you put a, you know you yeah. put a move on the safety and you're gone. Yeah. And that's how Shanahan's. I mean, that's really a lot of the way that it was effective last year too. Yeah. It wasn't very successful last year either. But it is still great when you're scoring 80 yard touchdowns <laughs> and you're scoring from anywhere in the field. And, For sure. You know, and, and Brita and Mostert sort of had that same. I mean, I think Brita is a little more shifty and a mm-hmm. little more mechanic, McKinnon-esque, but he's got that blazing speed where most Mostert is just a guy who's just like, you just toss it to him on the outside and yep. he finds that crease and he's just like, I'm going to blow through this thing. You know, and if I end up on the other side, I'm going to be hitting 21 miles an hour and you are not going to catch me. Right. And that's the way it's got to work with this offensive line, which has just been so disappointing this year. I don't understand it. I thought Brunskill was like the second coming. And then <laughs> McGlinchey is just like, geez. Yeah. He was a little bit better blocking this week. Yes. But he was really bad in the past game on a couple of plays. I think I mentioned to you before how. <laughs> one of the defensive ends. I mean, just picked him up and just like tossed him like he was not what you want. Yeah, like he was like, like a child, <laughs> and, and you're like, you're like a very large man. Like you have to be really, really off balance for someone just to toss you around like that. And he didn't do that before. It's like we really need to bring Staley back to help out our offensive line. Like we really do. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think he miss. I think he misses Joe. Maybe. Come on, Joe. Maybe he misses Joe. But yeah, um, yeah. As as you were, as, I mean. I think the the best example of of the struggle that has been the running game so far this year is that Jeff Wilson is a decidedly more sort of direct runner, but because he's not as fast or as talented as Mostert is, his even though he's finding hole, hitting hole, he's not going anywhere. Like he was twelve carries for fifteen yards on on Sunday. Um, some of that is he's sort of taken on the sort of short yardage role, which I think he should be taking on all the time. And so his numbers are never going to be that impressive more often than not. He's going to have those bizarre looking lines where he might carry the ball five times for four yards kind of thing. Um, but, but he is even struggling to, to make much out of what he's given. And I think that's, that's concerning. Um, I did like uh, Jermichael hasty when he got into the game, he caught the ball uh, once on a on a nice, uh, I think it was a a, a nice Wilson esque uh, Texas route when he came into the game, or was it a slant? I don't remember. Um, but they had him lined up, you know. Yeah, I think he was on the outside. Yeah, on that. Yeah, as a receiver, and he caught the ball nicely, and you know, got got in a space. And then his two carries that he had, he only ran the ball twice for nine yards, which is you know, if you could maintain that, would be excellent. But he looked you know good with the ball in his hands. I'm I'm excited to see because uh, he's definitely going to be sticking around. Um, with Tevin Coleman being out for at least a couple more weeks. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what, what he has uh, in his uh, arsenal. Yeah, yeah, I was sort of hoping that we could give him more touches than Wilson a few fewer, just because we know what we have in Wilson. And with, it, you know, with him, it's just yeah. like, just throw the guy the ball. I have no idea, I have no idea yeah. when he started to become a good receiving running back, but he is somehow Incredible. a good receiving running back. It's like blowing my mind. <laughs> It really is, but you know, Hasey was a good receiving running back in college too. So that's a yeah. he's a known entity, sure. And then yeah, so I mean, Wilson, man, uh, he has definitely impressed me with his receiving game. 
assume he's been working on a lot because that wasn't really part of his game before because his game was fumbling before. <laughs> and now his game is like catching difficult passes and then running Texas routes from like anywhere on the field. <laughs> he's, he's got it. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it must have been like the first route they ever taught him because he runs like every route, so like a Texas route. <laughs> so good. Um, just to kind of close the book on this, uh, on the rushing conversation uh we mentioned i mentioned dvoa on the on the passing game uh positive like you know up upwards of nearing 50 percent, which is you know that's pretty good um but they're rushing dvoa is a negative which is not good on offense um <laughs> rushing dvoa negative 13.9 percent, which is 15th in the league so solidly in the middle because passing so much more effective than running the ball and even though right. no one understands that for some reason <laughs> even though it's like established, you have a lot of teams that are sort of in that same range of negativity. Yeah, there are only five teams that have positive ratings on the ground through three weeks, so that should tell you something. And uh, I think at one point the, the Niners did have a positive rating last year, but I mean it's it's difficult to do. And I'm, I'm assuming one of those teams is Baltimore, right? Uh, I believe so, but yeah. not as high as you would think, actually. Hmm. Yeah, they're like blown out of the water last year. Yeah, it's New England, the Rams, Jacksonville, Green Bay, Baltimore. That's an interesting mix. Those are the only positive rushing teams so far this year. So, yeah. But as you mentioned, uh, with the running game, and then we'll we'll move on to the to the preview for next week's game. Uh, it's it's gonna. I mean, Mostert will be back eventually. I don't know if it'll be soon, but he cannot cover up all of the woes that this offensive line is having. I think that's just really it. Um, he's. The, the line has got to clean some stuff up so they can uh, move forward. Yeah. How they're going to do that, I have no idea. But <laughs> that's not our job. Nor I, nor I. We just complain about it. We just talk about <laughs> it. So <laughs> that is true. Um, so next week, uh, the 49ers uh, return home after their long East Coast trip. Uh, to- All right. Sunday night, I get to go to the game on the lights, Levi uh, Stadium for my birthday. No? No? I can't. That's sad. Yeah. But I sent in my SBL payment. Sunday night football, the Philadelphia Eagles in a game that I'm wondering if, if the NFL wishes they could flex out already. Um, <laughs> but they can't yet. So there you go. Uh, so Chris, I, I just have one question for you as it relates to the Eagles. What in the world is going on with Carson Wentz? He's being the worst quarterback in the NFL. That's what's going on. That's subtle. <laughs> well, you asked. I'm known for holding back. And I think there was one point last year where you were singing his praises as being a potential MVP before he went down. Right. And then I made the joke of, oh, yeah, maybe one day he'll be Nick Foles. Well, (laughs) I don't know if he ever will. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) I mean, he's really like one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL right now. And it doesn't make a lot of sense because the regression's crazy. It's remarkable. Yeah. And I know he's lost some targets, but I mean, give me a break, right? Look at us. We're not complaining about that. Both of our quarterbacks are top 10 in passing rating behind no offensive line, behind interesting game plans and no running game and no receiving targets. So I don't want to hear it once. Yeah. I'm sure Wes isn't actually blaming anything but himself because he better not be. But (laughs) unfortunately, he is probably going to pick it up one of these games, but it better not be this week. Yeah. Just as a couple of pieces of information. So his QBR is definitely, uh, according to Football Outsiders, is in fact not last in the league. Uh, 
but it is near the bottom, 35.5. He only has Sam Darnold and Dwayne Haskins behind him out of 33 qualifying quarterbacks. That's a minimum of 45 passes up to this point. His quarterback DVOA, in fact, is worst in the league. You're not even going to believe this when I tell you. (laughs) This number is astronomical. Negative 63.9%. Who's their backup? I don't even know. Didn't they draft someone? Hi. It's not that old guy they had to bring in last year when the Seahawks decided to end him. (laughs) (laughs) Is it Sudfield? Is he still there? I don't remember. I think it's some Dulter guy. We want none of that. So just above him is uh, 49ers legend Jeff Driscoll, who is at negative 44.5. So we're talking an almost 20% difference between Carson Wentz and Jeff Driscoll. The one and only. I was looking at his pass rating, and I believe it was the last in the league yeah. behind both of the New Jersey, New York teams, quarterbacks, and even behind Kirk Cousins, which is something to say. Yeah. Because he's down there like 73, I think. And he's like Kyler Murray territory down 70s. Yeah. Not a lot of good things happening for Carson Wentz, but I did not want to say too many negative things about him because he's a capable quarterback at times, even though he has not been this year. And I do not want him to have a coming out party against us. Yeah, for sure. I will not be the jinxer. And if his backup is a rookie mobile quarterback, please don't play him either. (laughs) Yeah, it's been a rough season for him so far. Uh, They tied with the Bengals last week, (laughs) and I was watching a little bit of that sort of out of the corner of my eye while I was watching uh, the end of the Niners game. And it just, I mean, he just was missing. He's just missing stuff. Like, I mean, yeah, you can blame it on the fact that his offensive line is a wreck. You know, there's... It's that's fine. You know, his receivers are, as I noted on Twitter yesterday, because they put another player on IR as well. So they're down to basically uh, Zach Ertz and the ghost of Deshaun Jackson. Maybe he might be out for a while, too. Did Goddard just go on IR? No, he's he's also he he left last week. I don't know if he's supposed to play. He has an ankle. He had an ankle injury that I thought I just saw something about Goddard getting put out on IR. Oh, yeah, he's on IR. Oh, boy, Alshon's not coming back, is he? I don't think he's on IR. Yeah, Alshon Jeffrey hasn't I don't hasn't played all year, I don't think. Oh, so what else is new? Yeah, I mean, this is true. Uh, what about Keese? Nope, he opted out, remember? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This team's got like 100 receivers and none of them are playing. So, yeah, he's not playing uh, because of all the other stuff, the issues that they've had uh, with with their with all that stuff. But um, yeah, yeah, that's right. When he we went to Philly, I was just like, they got a lot of wide receiver talent. Yeah. So, I mean, Wentz just looks off. That's just really the, the, the way of it. He's thrown two picks each game so far. He's up to six uh, in three games, which is not what you want. And and it's really, let, let's, let's be fair, their three games have not been the most impressive group of trio of teams. They lost to Washington uh, after jumping out to a 17-0 lead. They ended up losing that game. Uh, the Rams blew them out. The jury's still out on whether or not the Rams are like in the upper tier of, of teams in the league or not. Who knows? Maybe they are, are good you know, at the end of the season and that loss doesn't look so bad for them. But right now it's kind of like, all right, well, that's probably not a team you want to be getting crushed by at this point in the year. I don't think the Rams even know. Yeah, that, this is true. We're going to be horrible and then we're going to be amazing. <laughs> all in the same game. And then the tie last week, which 
you know, that was the team that had the number one overall draft pick last year. I don't think that's as big of a deal. It's just they didn't even really try to to win that game. And and so um, there's just struggles all over the all over the, the field for them. They're 27th uh, in points per game, uh, 19.7. Uh, and then their defense, which is, you know, still decent, but they're giving up almost 30 points per game. Uh, which is you know tenth in the league in that particular stat. So it just seems like I don't know what what you look at and go, oh, the well, this is a position on the field that they're definitely gonna right at this moment that they look stronger or they look like they could take advantage of something that the Niners can do on Sunday. So well, if there's some position that's it's running back, but is Miles Sanders healthy? Uh, I think he had like limited practice. Today was what I saw. So he's been pretty good when he's been in there, but I know he's missed at least one game. Yeah, I think he's averaging near 100 yards on the ground. So if I'm Salah, he's the guy that I'm most worried about. Sure. And otherwise, Hurts. Like I dare you to be more overrated than you are. But if he's just the only passing target, maybe we are in trouble. Oh, that's who their backup quarterback is. There, Jalen Hurts, isn't it? What's that? I know you said Hurts, but I heard Hurts and. I think Jalen Hurts is their backup quarterback, yeah. Is he? Can you play wide out? <laughs> well, I might. Yeah, I thought you said that Hurts was their backup quarterback. I'm like, man, they're more trouble we thought. Plus, they did not have a very easy road ahead of them after that because I believe that they play Steelers and then the Ravens. Yikes. It could get really bad for them. So they're probably going to be coming to play. Yeah, for sure. That division is a little bit of a of a disaster at this particular moment. Can we play in it? Just not in New York. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, go ahead and move into our predictions to close up things here on uh, this episode. Um, but first, Chris, uh, we, I, we need a, a public apology uh, for doubting this team uh, last week with your just strange 24 to 23 selection of the, uh, for the final score. So it was a strange selection. Which, if the podcast was editable, I would have edited it out, but I couldn't. <laughs> I was very sad about that. Who knew? But like I said, over-under, I think it was like two points off. So I've got something there. But I did not think that the Niners were going to play as well as they did. And I did not think that they were going to convert like they did in the second half. And I was pleasantly surprised at being wrong. And I will gladly admit to being incorrect when the Niners outperform my expectations. <laughs> I mean, t- to be fair, I only picked them to win by 10. But, you know, that's just because picking a blowout is is a pretty rare thing. That you, I mean, you have to be pretty certain of it in order to do that. That's bad juju, too. Yeah, never really want to do that. So, um, as far as... Except for maybe right now, huh? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> eh, maybe. Um, as far as Sunday goes, a um, lot of questions, of course, many of which surrounds like who's going to play out of our fallen comrades. Uh, so we got Garoppolo, we got Kittle, we got Debo, we got Mosley, we got Mostert. I, I think that that's it, among other names. Uh, most of the other ones that I didn't list are clearly not going to play because of you know being on IR and that sort of thing. I guess the real question is, does it matter? Like, are the Eagles a good enough team to make that much of a difference? Like, is there a major enough difference between the Eagles and this Giants team that we just saw last week? I mean, 
I think you could make the argument that that Carson Wentz probably should be a better quarterback than Daniel Jones is. But the fact of the matter is what he has shown us so far in 2020 is that he has not been so far. He in fact has been a worse quarterback than Daniel Jones has been and um, has as many wins in 2020 as Daniel Jones does so far. So, you know, um, there, there are a lot of questions surrounding this week. And so I'm going to take the prediction a little bit further than just the score and kind of talk about these players. Um, I think uh, Mullins will get the start again. Uh, I think Garoppolo needs at least another week to sort of uh, shake off whatever it was that that's ailing him. I think Kittle's definitely a go. He was a full go in practice uh, this week. I think if they had not been playing in MetLife Stadium this past week, I think there would have been a better chance of him to play for week three, but I think there was no way he was going on that on that turf um, given the injury. Uh, I think Mosley will be good to go. Uh, McKinnon should be good to go. I think Debo, he's back on the roster, but uh, I think he will be inactive and Garoppolo will be as well. Um, and they'll be ready to go for uh, the week five matchup with the Miami Dolphins when they come to uh, Levi's that week. Um, but that being said, I still think this is a game that the Niners should win. I think there's a lot of similarities between the Eagles and the Giants in their current iterations. Um, there's, you know, the Eagles are pretty well beaten up as well, and they just are missing players in positions that they just can't so far seem to have, have made up for. And so even though I just said, you know, you don't predict a blowout. Man, I'm going to I'm going for it. I'm going to go a nice mirror uh, final score. 49ers 31 Eagles 13. And that's what I'm sticking with. Right. That's very strong. Feeling strong. I agree with you that Garoppolo. I mean, why would you play him when you have Nick playing such a good game? And why wouldn't you give him another shot? Because you know, it's fuel the fire for hashtag Jimmy hate. 2020. So it's just a good old fashioned quarterback controversy from some fans who just have no idea what they're talking about. Yeah. Who will, will make something up. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Stop with that. But if Mullins keeps playing the way that he does, even though it is against bad teams, then that's just upping his trade value. If that's something that Niners want to do, or it is upping his confidence. If the Niners want to hold on to him in case something happens to Jimmy later. So I don't see anything wrong with, playing him again and giving Garoppolo another week off, even if Garoppolo is feeling better. So since he's not back anywhere near full Garoppolo blazing speed, then <laughs> there's no way he's playing this game. Kittle is yeah, Kittle's back, man. Come on. Right. Kittle wanted to play last week. Like, he's going to sneak yeah. on the field if you don't let him play. So and he's going to get in trouble. So you better let him play. With Debo, I'd be surprised. Like I said, he's not even on the injury report because he just came back and he's an afterthought for playing this week. McKinnon, I would say that he will be back. I think they just they took him out. I think it was the end of the third quarter. And yeah, it was late in the game. Whatever. Maybe the rubs were hurting. Maybe they just want to give the ball to some of their guys who haven't touched the ball at all in their career <laughs> or limited amount in their career. Maybe they just wanted to throw that one pass to, I believe this to Wilson, where he was out in the flat with there's way too many linemen in front of him. And then Kyle Juszczyk just knocked a guy into next week. <laughs> did you see the play? Uh, I did, yeah. he's that, that man has a family. 
Yeah, that was so beautiful. It's just so nice when you have two blockers linemen out in front of you and they're like talking about like who they're going to block. <laughs> you can tell them like, hey, you get that guy and then eh, I'll, I'll just sort of help you out over here. And then Juice just comes out of nowhere and just like ends a guy. <laughs> beautiful. Yeah, I do love myself some Juice. He's so good. So Mostert, no. I think that the, he will not be back. Yeah, and I didn't. I didn't mention that. I think that's. I think that's true as well. I think you, similar kind of thing. Just kind of give him another week. Yeah, knee injuries equals bad. So let's yeah, heal that up. Kwan is another question mark. I don't. I'm not sure. And of course, with mostly you know concussion, you just never know. So one thing though is, I think if mostly comes back, I think that Witherspoon, and I think Witherspoon will be back this week because he was out last week. Yeah. And I think the Witherspoon lost his job. Yeah. If Mosley is able to come back. For sure. I think Jason Brett is locked in. I don't know what happened to him. He was the anti Jason Brett from last time he was on the field. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's locked in. And I think Mosley's going to have to earn that spot, especially if, if Brett plays and plays well on Sunday again when Sherman comes back. I don't know if there's any, there's any guarantee that Mosley gets to just walk right back into the lineup just yeah Salah definitely did him no favors in week one yeah his stat line is not looking too hot although I definitely would rank him high on the cornerback list this would be a good problem to have this is the opposite of the problem we have right now (laughs) (laughs) especially if any of them were signed past this year just throwing Mm -hmm. that out there I'm just worried about getting guys like this week (laughs) this is true (laughs) just like, like on the field like for the whole game yeah so I think that the spoon will be on the bench if Mosley's back, unless there, there's an issue with Williams. And then I'm not sure who they would bring into the slot there. I'm not sure. Yeah. I guess we must. I, I, I don't know. Maybe Brett. I'm not, I'm not sure. Anyway, but I did not think it's with us. No. Anyway, so the line began at three towards Snyder's, which I thought was a little absurd. Um, but I think that might have been taking into account the lead up to the season as opposed to mm-hmm. what's happened in the meeting. Of the season, so it's jumped up to seven, which is a little bit more appropriate. Be interesting to see if it stays at seven, and you know, it usually is going to move one way or the other. If it moves in the Niners' direction, I think that's good because it is, you know, pretty much all, all the money is coming in on the Niners' side because it's sort of difficult to bet on the Eagles doing anything when they don't even want to win. So the over/under is creeped up a little bit from forty-five and a half to forty-six. So, that time, that would make it a 26-19 or 27-20 game, depending on where the line goes. So, I don't think that 26-19 is having. 27-20 is a little more likely, but not in this game. So, I will not predict the blowout that you are predicting, but I will pick it minus one point. So, <laughs> I'll go with 20 Seven to ten. You went thirty-one to thirteen, correct? Correct. Yeah. So I think twenty-seven ten, a little bit lower scoring. Okay. The Niners actually, I mean, it's still over the over, but but not quite the showing at last week because at some point the Niners do need to like chill out and come back to reality that like a lot of their team is injured and if they were to do that in a twenty-seven to ten victory, then I'd be happy. I mean, that wouldn't be quite the blowout, but it would be, you know, a nice, fun game to watch on Sunday night. Yeah. In my house. And 
not to stadium. I'm sad. I'm sorry. You're going to be okay. All right. Well, I'm going to go let Chris be sad. And as always, I'm going to thank you out there for listening to uh, another episode of the Niner Noise podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. Check out NinerNoise.com for all your latest 49ers news and analysis, and especially uh, lovely write-ups from uh, all of our friends and yours truly and Chris as well. Um, And be sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. We appreciate those ratings and those uh, reviews and those subscriptions. They uh, really help us out a lot. And of course, share the podcast with all your fellow 49er fan friends. So until next time, let's sound the horn, 49ers. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.